Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning I'm going to talk to you about two words, purpose and passion. Purpose and passion. And I just want to begin by saying, if someone were to ask you, what is your primary purpose for being alive on the planet today? What would you say? What is my primary purpose for living on this earth today? The answer should be pretty obvious. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, 15 through 19, we are told, God said, I place before you life and death, good and evil, blessing and cursing. Choose. Choose. Why are we here? To choose what we're going to do with our free moral agency. God made us all free moral agents with the right to choose our destiny and our destination. He's not going to force us to serve Him, not going to force us to walk with Him. It's up to us to make life choices that prove to Him, my longing desire is to be with you in eternal glory. That's my destination. And in my destiny, along the trip along the way, I will serve you. Well, fulfilling our purpose requires something called passion. In other words, we need to be energetic. Enthusiastic, hot-heated, passion, zeal, being zealous to fulfill our purpose. If our purpose is to show Him or to prove to Him that I long to live for you, then we need to be passionate about that. And not apathetic about it, but passionate about showing to Him, proving Him. I want to be with you throughout the eternal ages. I want to live for you now so I can be with you in your internal kingdom. Well, when it comes to being passionate And showing purpose, we could say it this way, purpose is of the head. It's the way we think as to why we're here on the earth. When it comes to passion, that's the inner fire that's in our innermost being, the passion of our heart that rises up within the soul, the fires of enthusiasm that motivates me to prove to him, I want to be with you forever. We need to be purposeful in our living and passionate. Because without passion, we won't fulfill our purpose. Remember the Apostle Paul had a purpose? You know, when you first come to Christ and you serve Him with your life, that's wonderful. But then along the way, there's other things that need to be, let's say, defined as your purpose. The Apostle Paul was told he had to go to Rome. That was God's purpose for his life because there were some things that needed to be done in Rome by Paul that Paul can only do. And so he had to be there. Well, during the trip along the way, what happened? There was a storm, the perfect storm, that almost took everybody's lives on a boat. But an angel came and appeared to him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. It's all right. You got to go to Rome. (laughs) There can't be the destruction of the whole ship, all those people, all the cargo, because Paul had to go to Rome. He had a purpose. He had to go to Rome. You get it now? When a person on earth has a purpose to fulfill for God, those things can't stop it from being done. Well, the devil thought he had the upper hand because, you see, the storm was about to take them. 
and destroy them. But it didn't, so he had to roll up his bag of sleeves and, and find out some, some other way. So when they finally shipwreck and they get on the island of Melita, what happens? A snake, a viper, comes out. Latches onto his hand. Okay, and what did they say? The natives, what did they say? He survived the storm, but he's going down now. And the natives are watching him. He must be a murderer or something like that, and they're watching him. He doesn't die. You know why? He had a purpose to fulfill. How can a snake take his life when he has to go to Rome? He hasn't been to Rome yet. You know it's important to have God appointments? It really is. To have a God appointment. There's something I have to do for God, and you can't stop me from doing it. A shipwreck can't stop, and a snake can't stop. And don't, just don't make fun of me when I say this, because I say it all the time. So if I don't say it now, I, I'm not like myself. The first snake and shake. <laughs> not snake and shake, snake and shake. <laughs> Shook that thing off like that. What does it tell me, though, when you do something like that? When he did something like that, that is not a normal reaction for people that get bit by a serpent. Would you agree with me? Usually it's panic, wouldn't it be? But not for him. I haven't been to Rome yet, so get out of here. Wow. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse 11, I want to show you what I'm talking about here. This is Paul speaking. Look at what he says. Amplified version. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor, be aglow and burning with the Spirit. That's called passion. Notice this, serving the Lord, that's called purpose. What is our purpose when we get saved? To serve the Lord. And if we're not passionate about it, then we won't be as successful as we need to be with regard to achieving our goals. Now, here in, uh, look at Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, he had a purpose in mind, and this is the Amplified Bible as well. For my determined purpose is, and we should all really have the same determined purpose and desire, that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that he goes on to say about that the life of Christ would manifest in his mortal body. Everybody say, wow. Say it backwards. Okay? Did you hear that? In other words, yes, I'm serving God with my life, but this is my determined purpose right here. I want him to consume me. I want his life, his resurrection life, to manifest in my mortal body. I've not arrived there yet, Paul says, but you know what? That is my determined purpose. And anything I suffer, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter to me. I want transformed from glory to glory until I glow. I'm aglow with the Spirit. And I have the life of God just exuding from my entire being. Shouldn't that be our desire? All of us, shouldn't we have the same desire? Absolutely, we should. Well, no matter what the purpose is, it's passion that separates success and failure when it comes to fulfilling our purpose. So really what I want to emphasize this morning is 
compassion. How passionate are we when it comes to serving God and fulfilling the purpose of His will for our lives? How passionate are we in wanting to show Him beyond any shadow of a doubt, I want to be a part of your eternal kingdom. I'm going to prove it to you by living my life on this earth, showing you that's my passion. That's my desire. To walk with you in such a way so as to let you know for sure I'm with you, Lord, all the days of my life. And what a time to talk about this. We just talked about Passion Week. We just talked about the passion of our Lord and his crucifixion and his purpose for coming. And we'll see that in just a moment. But we should have the same desire. But here's some quotes I found that I think are very helpful. A French military strategist said, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. You know, we used to have a youth group that was called Consumed. And in Consumed, we talked about, are you on fire for God? As a matter of fact, when I would even come across some of the youth as we we're walking through the buildings, I would just say, are you on fire for God? Is there a fire burning in your bones? Do you have that, that deep passion in your heart to, to represent God well, to serve Him with your life? To be changed from glory to glory, not be satisfied with where you're at, but to have a, a burning desire to climb the heights with Almighty God. To encourage one another that way. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul talked about. We should encourage each other that way. Only be satisfied with being dissatisfied with where you're at in the Lord. We can say it that way. Then the next one, a German philosopher said, Nothing great has been accomplished without what? Passion. It takes passion to do great things. Someone's got to be passionate about whatever their objective is, whatever their purpose might be. And then Albert Einstein said this, I have no special talent. I'm only passionately curious. When a person is passionately curious, he's going to be a astute student and try to find out as much information as he possibly can, which is what he chose to do. Then there's someone else I think we could really adhere to, and his name is Jesus. And he said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, then you will be filled. What is he saying? You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to be like that fellow that had his, someone held his head under water and held him there until he had to have a breath. And then he said, finally said, how bad did you want that? How badly did you want that breath? He'd have done anything for it. That's how God wants us to be. We hunger for it. We thirst for it. And what about David? What he said in Psalm 63? Look at what it says. David. David. Uh, Psalm 63, verse 1. Amplified translation. Well, he said it this way. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts. For you, my flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land, or it's faint for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Boy, if we just read that over and over and over again, what is he saying? Man, I need you more than I need bread. I need you more than I need drink. I need you more. I want you more. I want to see your power and your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. Wouldn't that be a wonderful and amazing thing when we all gather together and come to church like this and we say to one another, what do we want? What's our purpose? What's our motive for being here? We want to see God's power. We want to see God's glory. We want to see God manifest himself among us in such a way that it absolutely transforms lives. It brings people from the outside in. They can see the people that have a hunger for God and a thirst for God that can't be quenched. We want 
God. We want his presence. We want his power. We want his glory, his virtue to manifest in us and also through us. In the book of uh, Acts, we know that Jesus was zealous. Remember, Jesus was zealous over the house, uh, the temple. And he said that um, it actually says that he, the zeal of his house ate him up. He was eating, eating him up. And he went in there and turned over the money chambers, the table, the money changers and all that because of the zeal that was in him for righteousness to prevail even within the house of God. We know Paul was purposeful and he was passionate about accomplishing his goals. But here's a man named Apollos. And sometimes we leave some of these others out. But look at him in Acts 18, verse 25. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and burning with spiritual zeal, he spoke and taught diligently and accurately the things concerning Jesus. Notice, though he was acquainted only with the baptism of John. This is somebody that got so on fire for God that this is what it motivated him to do. See, passion involves our motivation. We are motivated to fulfill a purpose for God. And that motivation is the passion, the deep desire that we have. And why is this essential? Because you see, if we don't have it, we can become apathetic. And we can't sit back and just... Uh, let the world run us over. Let the devil run us over. Let the flesh run us, run us over. And you get to a place that you lose that spiritual initiative. And then it's easy to gravitate towards things that are not the things of God. Now, to talk about how we can really stoke the flames and the fire of God's passion within our hearts and lives. Number one, evaluate our own personal walk with God. Notice I didn't say evaluate your neighbor's walk with God or someone else's walk with God. But evaluate our own personal walk with God and ask ourselves some pointed questions. And notice, ask ourselves. I'm asking myself these questions and we should all ask ourselves these questions. Okay, number one, what is it that I am most passionate about in life? What is it? You can answer that question for yourself. Where does my passion lie? The Apostle Paul, if you remember his story, look at in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3. This is him speaking about himself. Look at verses 5 and 6. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, there it is, his passion, his zeal, his enthusiasm, his excitement about fulfilling a purpose, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He showed his passion before was to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law, blameless, somebody who would walk as close to God as he possibly could. But now he says, as far as destroying the church, you see, there was a hatred there for the church, a hatred for the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was passionate about it. And not too many people are this passionate. He was so passionate he had letters in his hands. He's on the Damascus Road. He's going to have people thrown in jail for what they believe. He is purposely trying to stamp out Christianity in its inception so it doesn't get off the ground whatsoever. This is what he was passionate about. Who does that? Who is so passionate about something like that that he's going to go to every length he possibly can to find every person who says, I am a Christian, put him in jail, have him beheaded, or whatever. That's, that was his purpose. He's passionate about it. But you know what? His purpose was wrong. 
And when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, guess what happened? His purpose did a 180, didn't it? He no longer wanted to destroy the work of Christ, destroy Christianity. As passionate as he was to bring it down, he was more passionate to promote it once he saw the Lord. See, we're all the same way. We're in the same boat. There's a lot of things we can be passionate about when it comes to purpose. What is my purpose? We need to make sure that our purpose is right. And that's where our thinking comes in. What is my main reason for living here upon this earth? It is to serve God. Now, some can be passionate about sinful pursuits. If you recall Gehazi, uh, the servant of the prophet, after the prophet uh, brought healing to uh, Naaman the leper, and he was told to go dip seven times, and he got healed. What did Gehazi do? He was passionate about something, wasn't he? Chasing down the guy and getting as much as he possibly could from him. Clothes, money, whatever. And of course, you know the story, the leprosy came upon him. He was passionate about a sinful pleasure. He was passionate about the wrong thing. He went in the wrong direction. And it showed. And as a result, of course, he made a wrong choice. He suffered for it. Well, it could be some other things. <clears throat> we could be passionate about things that are not necessarily sinful. We could be so passionate about things like sports, entertainment, and the list goes on and on, that it consumes us. Has some, someone ever said to someone, or you heard someone say to someone, like, you're consumed with that? What do you consume with that for? And it becomes a part of you. And I believe that's all demonic to get people to the place to where something takes the place of God. You know, we talk about idols in today's society and we think that an idol might be like back then, back when, when they lived back then. These <clears throat> molten calf or these things that they make with their hands and they worship these trees and these whatever, the sun, the moon, the stars. You know, an idol can just be overwhelmed with uh, a desire for something like... I don't want to say this. I might get stones on me. Playing too many video games. Or, I know we're all guilty of it, that iPhone. Just, okay, seeing what's going on and all that. And it becomes an idol. It becomes something that takes the place of God. More passionate about that than we are Pursuing the things of God. So anyone can fall into that trap with regard to anything in life. God wants us to evaluate something. Let me share this with you. Jesus is coming soon. You're so excited about that. Wow. I mean, really, he's coming soon. If you think we were in the last days 2,000 years ago when it was first said we're in the last days, how much more are we in the last of the last days right now? Right? Since May 14th, 1948, we are in the last of the last days, and we know that. There's all kinds of predictions that are out there right now. I'm sure you heard one about the asteroid that's going to hit around Mexico, something like that. Have you heard that one? It's going to take place in 2029, and that's going to be in the middle of the tribulation period, which means it's going to be in somewhere in, in September of 2025. Now, we don't predict, and they're not predicting anything, but it happens to be that September of 2025 happens to be the Feast of Trumpets. And so, once again, we see all this that's being talked about out there. 
that, hey, he can come in 2025. Uh, tribulation will start right after that, after the rapture of the church. And then that asteroid is going to hit in, 20, in the spring of 2029, which is exactly three and a half years. Middle of the tribulation period. Supposedly, this is what Jesus showed him. Anyhow, regardless of that, shouldn't we all want to be on purpose getting more on fire for God every day of our lives and letting him know, I want you to use me to fulfill a purpose in your will. I want to set my agenda. I want to see to it that I've got my calendar of events ready. I want to mark the dates, whatever it is that you would have me to do. And I want to fulfill them. That is my passion. And I will passionately give myself to the fulfillment of that. Why? I'm too busy doing that than to be gravitating toward all this that's over here that the world has to offer, the devil has to offer, the flesh has to offer. I want what you want for my life. Because I know you're coming soon. Okay, so number two, question number two. Am I satisfied with my passion for God right now? Am I satisfied? And I can only answer that for myself. You can only answer that for yourself. Am I satisfied? Am I cold? Am I lukewarm? Am I hot when it comes to my passion, being passionate for God? And how can we evaluate that? Well, all we have to do is look at our motives. Look at the things we strive for, the things we desire. If we really desire the things of God, we're going to show him that. Ourselves, we're going to see that for ourselves. But the thing is, if I let's say I'm honest with myself and I say, I've been cold lately, or I've been kind of lukewarm lately. Lord, I, I want to rekindle that passion that I once had. The desire that I had to really know you better, to walk with you, to honor you with my life, to see to it that I serve you with passion and desire. Then the thing is this, am I okay with where I'm at? Am I okay with being cold and I just want to get by so I can make it into heaven? Am I okay with being lukewarm as long as I have my ticket stamped, I'm getting to heaven? Or do I want to really say I'm okay with being on fire and hot for God? Because you know why? Because my next point is the reason why. What's the next question uh, that we, we, we could focus on? The cross. If we want to see to it, it's the cross. Well, let's go to the question first. How can God become the greatest passion in my life? This is for all of us once again. And this goes back to Revelation in chapter 2. What Jesus told the apostle about these churches. Okay. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent. There's three things he said here that are important to all of us. Remember, repent, and redo. Remember, repent, and redo. If we're honest with ourselves, can you think of a time when maybe you were more passionate about the things of God? Can you ever think about that in your own life, that I was really on fire for God and so passionate about serving God? It's easy for us to settle down into a place of complacency. Well, can we all agree to that? I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. It's easy for us to settle down to a place of complacency because the longer we're in service to God, we kind of take some things for granted. Okay? Maybe our Bible study isn't as intense as it was. Maybe our prayer life isn't as intense as, as it was. Maybe we're not as excited about worshiping God as we once did and whatever. And what do we have going against us? It's three against one. The devil, the Lord, and the flesh against us. 
coming against us, trying to make it more difficult for us to really serve God in the day in which we live. And you think about this. You talk about the next generation that's coming up. Should Jesus tarry is coming? What about this iPhone generation? What about this electronic generation? You think about these young people. They, you Tell them what a dial phone, dial-up phone is. They'll look at you like an old cow to the new gate. What are you talking about? Right? No idea. But the point is they got at their fingertips anything they could possibly use to get on that iPhone, Android, whatever, computers and all that. They're living in a computerized age right now that have access to anything and everything. And temptation is so easy in this day in which we live. How are we going to reach that generation and let them know there is nothing more important than for you to serve God with your life passionately? You know why? Because you are an eternal spirit being and so am I. And guess what? We're going to live forever. Where are we going to live forever is the question. So God wants us to be passionate in living for him, to prove to him, this is my purpose, because I want a part in your kingdom. And you know what? It's not wrong to want the best part and the best place. You know what that means? If you do, it means you're going to humble yourself to go to the lowest measures, just like Jesus did. Okay, so what are the three things? Think about when I was at that place where I was just so passionate about serving God and then repent. Well, why repent? Well, because God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Who changes? God doesn't move away from us. Who moves away from God? And it doesn't take much. And he's always pulling us back in by his spirit, isn't he? He's always drawing us back to himself, isn't he? Right. So repent. After, remember where you were. Repent. He made it so simple. Everybody say redo. Just redo the first works over. Start getting into your Bible again. Start praying again and so on. And if we'll do that, it will ignite once again within us these passionate desires to really serve God. Now, number two, focus on the cross. We just talked about in Passion Week, all that took place. This one week that changed the world. You realize that one week changed the world? It changes the way we calculate time. B.C., A.D., right? It's all based on this last one week of the life of Christ when he went to a cross and suffered and died, but then he rose again on the third day. Okay, how is that going to help me by focusing on the cross? Look at John 12, 32. He said, except I be lifted up. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. You know what drew us to him? Our love for him? Do you know what ignited it? The cross. When we saw what he had to do, for us to redeem us from our fallen state. When we recognize the sacrifice that he made and we really rehearse it and think about it, what it took for him to remove us from the realms of darkness and death and eternal destruction and damnation and bring us into his kingdom of love and glory throughout eternity was a supreme sacrifice that no being can even calculate or comprehend that he suffered. When we talked about on Good Friday, his visage was so marred more than any man, he did not appear to look like a human. And I don't want to go over that. Just go over it lightly. Our sin took him to a place beyond our comprehension. His visage means his appearance was so 
disfigured. He did not appear to be human. Not because he was beaten. All the other, other guys were beaten too. They were whipped also. They had cuts all over them as well. When he became sin on that tree for you and for me, <clears throat> sin entered into his being and he was so disfigured, he did not look like a human being. We can't even comprehend what that meant. The fullness of the wrath of God. Anybody ever hear about the wrath of God? And we see things in the Bible that took place when God poured out his wrath upon this group or that group or the our earth opened up and took the family away because of their sin and rebellion against God. And we see all that happening, but we've not seen this ever. When he had poured into his being the wrath of God and he suffered the wrath of God for all of us, how can we not look up and say, I owe you my life. I owe you my allegiance. I owe you my service. It shouldn't be, come on, let's get someone to serve the Lord by playing a nice tune or doing this or putting some fancy lights on. You know what? My earnest, heartfelt desire is there's so much glory in this place that when you walk in that door, you fall on your knees. That Jesus is so walking among us and up and down these aisles and these pews that we get a glimpse of his glory and we bow to our, our faces to the ground. You know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about, we're going to be there. But it talks about how he, John said, I saw him sitting on a throne with a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, and a strong angel proclaimed with a loud voice, who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? No man found in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth was able to take the book or loose the seals thereof. So John wept much. But he said, uh, an elder said to him, oh, weep not, be, weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah. He's prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld midst of the throne and the beast and the, and, and the elders was a lamb as he had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, was of the seven spirits of God sent forth on all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him set upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the beast and the elders fell down before the lamb, having harps and golden vowels full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. For you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. And you made us kings and priests before our God. And we shall reign with you in all of the earth. And I looked around the throne about, and there were angels 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. Every creature in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth, and such as are in the sea, heard I saying, Glory and honor and blessing and power be unto him who sits on the throne of the Lamb forever. And the beast said, Amen. And the four beasts, four and twenty elders said, Amen. Did you hear all that? Did you get this out of it? Of all the creatures in heaven, of all the creatures in earth, of all the creatures under the earth, of all the creatures in the sea, only one being is worthy to take the book and loose the seals. His name is Jesus. Woo, glory. Do better than that. You can. Jesus is the worthy Lamb of God. He is worthy. And I owe him my allegiance because nobody, no one else, no Buddha, no Muhammad, no Confucius, Confucius, no Christ, Harry Krishna, Moon, name them all. 
was there to take the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, only Jesus. Don't tell me there's another way to God. There's not. Amen. We should be passionate about serving him and fulfilling the purpose of his will for our lives. Okay, then next, look at this next one. Consider the judgment. If that wasn't enough, mm, look at these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, or 5 verse 10. For we all must appear, except for maybe Joe and John. Everybody say all. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You want to stir up, stoke up the fire, the flames of enthusiasm to serve God? Look at the next one in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built, Thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Oh, my, aren't you excited about this wonderful opportunity that we have to experience the fire of God? Well, let me give you a clue. If you judge not, you won't be judged. If you're merciful, you'll be shown mercy. To the merciful who show himself merciful, to the upright who show himself upright, but to the forward who show himself forward. If we don't want judge, and if we want mercy, let's not judge, and let's show mercy. You got it made. Some, I know about, some, my mind sometimes goes a little bit off, okay? I have a vision of standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, Bill, it's your turn. Okay, here I am, Lord. And then you got this flamethrower. Here it comes, the fire of God. The works that were done with the wrong motive, burnt, gone away. Wood, hay, and stubble burn, right? But gold, silver, precious stone, they remain. They're refined by fire. The refiner's fire. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. So in other words, you see, we stand there before God. Nobody else to point the finger at and say, here I am, and here comes the fire. We can only believe, thank God. That there's gold, silver, and precious stones. Amen? So when we think about that, what does it do? What does it ignite within us? Oh, my, I want to get, I'm going to get on the ball, man. I really want to ignite within me a passion and a desire to serve God with my life as I should. And really honor Him with my life. So we need to hear this all the time. To be refreshed within us all the time. Because we're living in this body. Remember the Apostle Paul said this? In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He said, look, I'm not one that's going about beating the air. Everyone that runs in a the race, they run to win the prize. I'm running to win the prize. I'm not going to beat the air. I'm not shadow boxing with anybody. Because he said, if I don't discipline my body and bring it under subjection to my spirit, then I myself might become a castaway. What was he saying? I got flesh like you do. You have flesh like I do. And we all can succumb to the flesh, the world, the desires of the enemy. Anybody can you know, God has a will for our lives and Satan, I should say this way, God has a purpose for our lives and Satan has a purpose for our lives. We're in the middle here, we're saying, what's my purpose? What's my will? 
God has a will. Satan has a will. I've got a will. What am I, where am I to put my will? My will is with God, not the enemy, not the devil, not the world, not the flesh, but to serve the living God. Yes, there's going to be challenges along the way. Jesus said there would be, and the world's going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And here's the beauty of it. You can't do it on your own. You're not supposed to do it on your own. We're not supposed to do it on our own. We've got the help of God, the grace of God, the power of God, divine empowerment from on high. Um, look at this one here, this next one. Examine our motives. Romans chapter 10, verse 2. If you're called the Apostle Paul was motivated to do, to do the wrong thing. His purpose was wrong, to destroy the church until he saw Jesus on the Damascus Road. Well, these Jews he's writing to, their purpose is to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law. In other words, it would be self-righteousness, earned righteousness. And so Paul says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. See, purpose and, and passion go together. They have a zeal of God, like Paul had a zeal of God. But notice he says this, but not According to knowledge, their purpose was wrong. They wanted to achieve personal righteousness by their efforts in keeping the law. And Paul says, you can't do that. It's impossible to do that. You can't establish yourself in righteousness by yourself. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what he is saying is, look, our purpose has to be right. And then we need to be passionate about fulfilling that purpose. So if our purpose, for example, in walking with God, serving God, is about money, well, that's a wrong purpose. That's a wrong purpose. If our purpose when it comes to serving God is making a name for ourselves or for prestige or anything of that nature, you see our purpose is wrong. No, our purpose should be, I love God. I love Jesus. I love the word of God. I love the people of God. I love the world people that Jesus died for. No matter how unloving they may be, I have the heart of God toward lost humanity. Our purpose should be a shining light before men that they could see our good works and gravitate towards the Jesus who is in each and every one of us. So I am not going to finish this. I'm going to ask us to stand because I just instructed to the Lord this morning to help give us a jump start with regard to passion.